Welcome today. As my dad David shares from his heart, this short biblically-based devotional. David is a speaker, author, former pastor, songwriter, and founding director of Youth with the Mission Montana. He is also the author of the song In Moments Like These. This song appropriately describes this podcast, and I know his message will be encouraging to you. These were some sweet moments. We all love those kind, don't we? It was a clear and sunny afternoon in the early fall of 2004 when five of us, Kathy and I, our daughter Michelle, her husband Mark, and their six-month-old baby boy, grandson Jackson, entered the beautiful small Canadian Rocky Mountain town of Banff in Banff National Park, which is about a five and a half hour drive north of our hometown of Kalispell, Montana. We were there in Banff because Mark, a Kalispell Bank president and owner, would be attending the annual Montana State Bankers Convention. Every year the convention is held in a different and highly desirable location. And Banff is certainly that. The famous park and the little town have attracted well-known dignitaries and celebrities for well over a hundred years. And the place in Banff where most of those rich and famous folk have stayed during their visit is the historic Banff Springs Hotel, built by the Canadian Pacific Railway. The original structure first opened in 1888. It morphed over time into a gigantic structure. In the early 1900s, it was the tallest building in Canada. Today, given its 757 rooms and suites and multiple amenities, including one of the most beautiful golf courses I've ever been on, it's listed as one of the top 10 most grand hotels in all the country. And just minutes after getting into town, we would be walking through its majestic lobby to check in for the next several days. And of course, the front desk agent greeted us and treated us as if we were dignitaries. And of course, I didn't let on that I wasn't one. You know, kind of keep them wondering? Well, it must have worked. Because as he reached over the countertop to hand me two room keys, he said this, Mr. Graham, I'll have the bellman show you to the queen's room on the sixth floor. Pardon me, I said, for a second thinking, didn't I ask for a king-size bed? The agent saw the puzzlement on my face, and with a smile he said, We're giving you an upgrade, Mr. Graham. You and Mrs. Graham will be staying in the Vice Regal Suite. It's the same suite that Queen Elizabeth stayed in, and it's where her parents, Elizabeth I and King George VI, stayed in before her. Uh-oh, I thought. Did I make him think we are royal or something? You know, uh, the name Graham is one of the oldest names in Scotland. Maybe he thinks we're the king and queen of Scotland. No way. Scotland hasn't had a king or queen for years now. Like 400. Or maybe he thinks I'm Billy Graham's son. Oh, well, just roll with it, David. So I said, thank you, sir. I responded with a certain air of dignityness. Thank you. The truth, as Kathy and I looked at each other while following the bellman to our room, we smiled at each other. 
because we knew that our Father in heaven had prepared an unexpected blessing for us. I'll get back to our vice regal sweet moments in a bit, and I'll fast forward to today and today's current events. I just now found out that about the very same time I started writing about these sweet queen's room moments, that very same queen, Queen Elizabeth II, was buried alongside her late husband, Prince Philip, at the King George VI Memorial Chapel at Windsor Castle. And from every account I've seen or heard, the Queen will be greatly missed. Here's what Canada's National Post had to say about her on September 8, 2022, the day of her death. Elizabeth's devotion to duty cemented her as England's greatest Queen of all time. Duty and service were a fabric of the Queen's being from the very beginning, and she always sought to inspire others with those principles. And she embraced that spirit from her youth. One good example, during the Second World War, as bombs rained down on the city of London in 1944, the then 18-year-old Princess Elizabeth joined the Auxiliary Territorial Service, the women's branch of the British Army, and she trained as a mechanic after the war, in a speech on her 21st birthday, she said this, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and the service of our great imperial family, to which we all belong. These were the summarizing sentiments from the National Post. As we mourn the Queen's death, we should be comforted with the thought that for more than 70 years, she repeatedly made a promise to her people to serve them and carry out her duties as best as she could. It was a promise she never failed to keep. I'm sure you've seen and heard much of the same about the Queen since the day of her death. Most citizens of her nation and in other nations recognize her devotion to duty, and they honor her for that. There, of course, have been many queens who have reigned ever since ancient times. Word has it that there are still 11 queens who are reigning around the world as I speak. Though we don't know much about her, the most notable reigning ruling queen written about in the Bible would have to be the Queen of Sheba, who lived and reigned during the time of Solomon. According to modern historians, her name was Makeda, and she reigned over the most prominent kingdom in southwest Arabia, which is present-day Yemen and Ethiopia. Here's the biblical account from 1 Kings chapter 10. When the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, which brought honor to the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She arrived in Jerusalem with a large group of attendants, a huge entourage, and a great caravan of camels loaded with spices, large quantities of gold, and precious jewels. When she met with Solomon, she talked with him about everything she had on her mind. Solomon had answers for all her questions, nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the Queen Sheba realized how very wise Solomon was, and when she saw the palace he had built, she was overwhelmed. She was also amazed at the food on his tables, the organization of his officials and their splendid clothing, the cupbearers, and the burnt offerings Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. She exclaimed to the king, Everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. In fact, 
I had not heard the half of it. Your wisdom and prosperity are far beyond what I was told. How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day listening to your wisdom. Now, this is the important part. The queen then says these revealing words. Praise the Lord your God, who delights in you and has placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king so you can rule with justice and righteousness. The queen's eyes and the queen's heart had been opened. The story ends after she and Solomon exchange a fortune and gifts and the overwhelmed queen and her huge entourage return to their own country. And this is key. You can be sure that the queen and her entourage would have a lot to talk about once they got home. Because the queen went home with a revelation and a new faith in God. The God of Israel had become her God and her duty from then on would be to serve God and make God known to her own nation. How do we know this? Because Jesus spoke of Makeda, the queen of Sheba, the queen of the south. It's the only queen he ever mentioned. He speaks of her in response to some teachers of religious law and Pharisees who came to him and said, Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. He sternly rebukes them in the request and refers to the repentant generation of Nineveh in Jonah's time. That dialogue, by the way, is found in both Matthew 12 and Luke 11. And there he goes on to say, The Queen of the South will be raised up at the judgment with this generation, and she will condemn it, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear Solomon's wisdom. Yeah, a 1,600-mile journey on camels to hear Solomon's wisdom. Let that sink in. According to Jesus in this verse, one of the queen's future kingdom duties would be to judge that very generation he was speaking to, because she had paid a price the religious leaders of that generation were unwilling to pay, unwilling to listen to, to believe, and to follow the very Son of God, standing right in front of them. And here is where I'm going with this. It's a reinforcement of our recent episode called, We Must Do This. Because of the seriousness of what we are facing now and in the days to come, I believe that our Father wants us to carry a spirit like the Queen of the South. After all, as I've said before, as daughters and sons of the greatest ruler in the universe, we are members of a most royal house. And we must never forget, we must always be committed to our kingdom duties. Remember this verse? 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And what is one of our most important duties? Dear friend, our duty is to proclaim His excellencies. You know what? In the age of darkness we live in, this is not the time to be quiet, not the time to be shy. As royalty, we have a duty to represent the kingdom of light. 
to be the shining light and to tell others. As Kathy and I walked into the Queen's room that afternoon in 2004, we were genuinely taken aback. It seemed as if we had stepped back in time, a hundred years. It appeared to us that the room was left exactly as the Queen had left it, for all the furniture was of the antique variety. Perhaps I thought she sat at that small table to prepare a speech. I don't have time to go into detail here, but let's just say the spacious room was fit for a queen. As I lay there on the bed resting for a few minutes before heading to dinner in the very same room where the queen had once rested, I was reminded of this once again. Those who will receive the most meaningful honor ever will not be worldly queens and kings. They will be those members of the Heavenly Father's royal house, his beloved daughters and sons. And in conclusion, dear friend, I'll end with this. We must never forget our royal duties. We must remain committed to our kingdom duties because as it is written in 2 Timothy chapter 2, 11 and 12, this is a trustworthy saying. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. Dear King Jesus, we will listen, we will believe, and we will follow, like a certain African queen once did. Dear Father, please give us more of your enduring power. Holy Spirit, please bring us wisdom like Solomon's. Let it be. You've been listening to In Moments Like These with David Graham. If you'd like to contact David or find out more information about In Moments Like These, please visit InMomentsLikeThese.com.